following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Tolima, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. This morning we're continuing our series in the book of Acts in the New Testament, looking at the journeys of the early church in the first century, and in particular at the moment we're looking at the journeys of the Apostle Paul as he travelled around the world of the first century, sharing the gospel and planting churches in various locations as he went. And this passage that we're looking at this morning, beginning in Acts chapter 21, is really the beginning of the final section in the book of Acts as it builds towards this dramatic climax as Paul ultimately heads towards the city of Rome. And as the story begins this morning, where we pick up the action, Paul has determined that he's going to set out for Jerusalem. He's been traveling in the broader world, but now he's resolutely decided he's going to head to Jerusalem. He's compelled by the Holy Spirit to go there, even though he knows that troubles are going to be awaiting him there. It's not going to be easy. He's going to face difficult times. In fact, one of the believers stands up and prophesies that when Paul gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound and he's going to be handed over to the Gentiles. He's going to be in chains. And Paul's friends, his companions, try to dissuade him from going to Jerusalem because they fear for his life. But Paul is, is resolute. He's determined to get to Jerusalem. And in the end, his companions, they, they surrender it and they say, well, the Lord's will be done. And so Paul heads to Jerusalem. And as soon as he gets there, or soon after he gets to Jerusalem, sure enough, his troubles begin. He's in the temple complex there, and a group of people charge him with these false accusations of bringing a non-Jewish person into the temple, bringing them too far into the temple precinct, which Paul hadn't done. These were totally baseless allegations. But nevertheless, it turns the crowd against Paul. And this, this group of people get enraged. They take hold of Paul. They seize him. They start to beat him. And they really intend to kill him. And the only way that Paul is saved is because a couple of Roman soldiers intervene and they go into the crowd and they, and they take Paul out because the crowd is becoming so riotous that they, they try to calm things down by extracting Paul from that situation. And so Paul then is taken into Roman custody. He's now a prisoner of Rome. And this Roman commander has got to figure out what to do with Paul. So things go back and forwards a little bit. And eventually what the commander decides to do is to give Paul a beating. This is often what the Romans resorted to. They, they felt like people would be helped if they had a good beating and maybe this would extract a confession from Paul. And so they're about to have him flogged and beaten. And then Paul pipes up and says, 
Is it legal for you to, to beat a Roman citizen? Is it legal for you to beat someone who's a Roman citizen? And the commander is taken aback by this because he didn't realize that Paul was a Roman citizen. Paul plays that card of his citizenship very carefully in the book of Acts. He was a, a citizen by birth, but he's very tactical in the way that he uses that. It's like a, a get-out-of-trouble card at times, and, and he's very tactical in how he plays that to his advantage. And because Paul was a Roman citizen, he couldn't then just be summarily flogged and beaten. There had to be a Roman citizen was entitled to a fair trial. They were entitled to the full Roman legal system, which meant there had to be clear legal proceedings. And so the commander at this stage is going to try and figure out what he's going to do with Paul and, and trying to get to the bottom of these charges that are brought against him. And so he brings this group to encounter Paul called the Sanhedrin. And this is a group of the Jewish ruling leaders. And it's a, it's a bizarre experience for Paul because he was part of this group or strongly connected to this group in his pre-Christian days. Paul was a Pharisee. And so he knew this group inside out. He probably knew some of these same people. And now Paul's on trial before this group of Jews who are upset with him and are bringing these accusations before him. So you have this trial scene of Paul before the Sanhedrin. And Paul gives a defense of himself there and different accusations come back. But really what, what happens in that occasion is the whole thing just degenerates into chaos and there's a debate and a dispute between members of the Sanhedrin. And some of them think that Paul's not deserving of punishment and death and others think that he is. And so things get hostile and things get heated. And again, the Roman army has to extract Paul out of that situation just to protect him, to protect his life. And so you end up with Paul in Jerusalem, still a prisoner of Rome, with the Jews not sure what to do with him and the Romans not sure what to do with him. Nobody quite knows how to handle this controversial figure of Paul and this puzzling message that he spoke about who Jesus was. Now that story, I've just briefly summarized it for you there, that spans over three chapters in the book of Acts, chapter 21 to 23, and I'd encourage you to read it in your own time because there's a lot more detail there uh, in the way that the story twists and turns, and it's helpful to understand the way all of these events unfold. But I've just given you a snapshot of it. And as you look at that section of the narrative as a whole, one of the things that you notice is the similarity between what Paul experienced in Jerusalem and what Jesus experienced in Jerusalem. Both of these men suffered tremendously in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus suffered in Jerusalem on the day that he was crucified, the 24 hours before his death. And Paul suffers in Jerusalem in the context of, of this story. And when you line those two stories up, Jesus and Paul in Jerusalem, there is one connection after another. These stories really parallel one another. Uh, you think about this narrative in Acts begins with Paul's companions saying, the Lord's will be done. And they kind of surrender the situation to God. And in a similar way, you have Jesus. His passion begins in the Garden of Gethsemane with him saying the words, Thy will be done. Both Paul and Jesus have this Garden of Gethsemane moment where they surrender themselves over to God and to the upcoming sufferings they're going to go through. And then as they come into Jerusalem, Paul is arrested in the book of Acts, just as Jesus was arrested by the Romans in the Gospels. Uh, Paul faces this angry and hostile crowd. Jesus faced an angry and a hostile crowd who cried out, crucify him. Paul faced these false accusations, these false charges against him 
And Jesus likewise faced false charges, false accusations coming against him. Paul was arrested. Jesus was arrested. Paul was beaten. Jesus was beaten. Uh, Paul is put on trial before the Sanhedrin. Jesus was put on trial before exactly the same group. Jesus also in the Gospels stood trial before the Jewish Sanhedrin. That was part of the proceedings. So time after time after time, you see these connections between the sufferings of Paul and the sufferings of Jesus. And, and what the book of Acts is telling us by drawing these similarities is that Paul is walking in the way of Jesus. Paul is following in the footsteps of his master. He's walking the way that Jesus went. And I imagine that must have been some comfort for Paul as he went through all of this, as he was falsely accused, as he had the crowd turn against him. He must have thought to himself, at least I'm experiencing just a fraction of what Jesus himself experienced in this same city. I imagine that Paul gained some strength from knowing that Jesus had walked this road before him. It would have been an encouragement to him. And it can be an encouragement to us. Because what was true for Paul is also true for us. When we experience pain in our lives, when we experience times of suffering, we also have that assurance that Jesus has walked this road before us. He has gone before us. Now, the details of our experiences will be different. They will differ from both Paul and Jesus, of course. But the principle is the same. Jesus has walked this road of suffering before us. And that's the incredible thing about having a Savior who has become truly human. We don't worship a God who is detached from us and who is just this distant deity out there somewhere who's indifferent to our sufferings. We worship a God who has drawn near to us in Jesus Christ, who has become incarnate. That means he's taken on the fullness of our humanity, and he's entered in to all, all the earthiness of our experiences, all the day-to-day, -day, all, all the grittiness and the realness of what we go through, and he suffered in all the ways that we suffer. He suffered physically and relationally, and emotionally, and mentally, and even spiritually. Jesus has suffered in every dimension of human experience. And that means now, as we go through difficult times, we have someone who has been there before us. We have a Savior. He's not only our Savior. He's also our brother. He's also our friend who comes alongside us, and he says, I have been where you are. It's one of the most powerful things I think anyone can hear when they're going through difficult times is to have someone else say, I've been there too. I know what you're going through because I've been there myself. I have a friend who last year went through a really difficult marriage separation, and I tried to journey with him during that time and encouraged him and supported him, and prayed for him. And that was good, but it had its limits. You know, I, I could relate to him to a certain extent, but I'd never been through what he was going through. So I could encourage him as a friend, but I couldn't fully understand what he was experiencing. But during that time, there was another guy from the church who looked my friend up and caught up with him and encouraged him. And this was a guy who had also been through a really difficult marriage separation of his own. And he was able to connect with this guy as someone who really knew what he was going through, could really identify with him. And as I, I asked my friend about this this week, he said, yeah, it was so great having that guy catch up with me because there was someone who could understand. And there was someone who could really give advice as someone who had been there. 
And he said, it made me feel like I wasn't the only one who was having to carry this, who was having to lug this burden around. That's the power of having someone who has been there before us, who has been there too. And that's exactly who we have in Jesus. Whenever we struggle, whenever we experience pain in our lives, Jesus says to us, I've been there too. Whenever we're going through anxiety, you may be feeling that, you may be nervous, you may be fearful, you may be afraid. Jesus says to you, I've been there too. You think of the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweated drops of blood. He was incredibly anxious in that time. Jesus has experienced as a human being what anxiety means. And so he knows and he says, I've been there too. I've experienced that. When we experience a relationship breakdown and we maybe have someone who's close to us, who lets us down or who betrays the closeness of our relationship, Jesus says to you, I've been there too. He had an inner circle of, of disciples and one of them betrayed him. One of them denied him. Many of them abandoned him. Jesus knows he's been there too. When we experience times where we grieve because we've lost a loved one, Jesus says to you, I've been there too. He lost his, his dear friend Lazarus and he stood at Lazarus's tomb weeping bitterly. Even when we go through times, we feel like we're abandoned by God. And we feel like God's a million miles away and, and we just feel like he's left us. Even then, Jesus says, I've been there too. Because on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was abandoned by his heavenly father on the cross. And so he knows what it's like to feel like God has left you. In whatever way we suffer, at whatever point in our life, we experience pain Jesus says to us, I have been there. I know. I understand. He knows our pain, not just in this intellectual way. He knows it experientially. He knows it because he's carried it. And that means that Jesus doesn't just sympathize with us. He doesn't just kind of stand at a distance and say, well, that seems like it's a really hard burden that you're carrying. That seems like it's really difficult for you. He doesn't just sympathize. He empathizes with us. That means he feels what we feel. He carries what we carry. He knows our suffering. And it means that whatever you're going through, you are not alone. You might feel alone. You might feel like no one understands it. You might feel like no one's there for you, that no one gets it. But Jesus gets it. He knows. He identifies with you in your suffering. And he is with you right there at your point of pain. Because Jesus has suffered for us, and because Jesus knows what it is to suffer, he draws right alongside us in the present. This is exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. Look at this point in the story. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11, look at what happens to Paul the night after this trial that he's faced before the Sanhedrin. In verse 11, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. That must have been an amazing experience for Paul. I mean, you think about it, he, he's just had this horrible day of standing before this group of people who used to be his colleagues and workmates, and now it completely turned against him. And that had been traumatic. And now that night, Paul receives a visit from the risen Jesus. I mean, this is the only other time other than the Damascus Road experience where Jesus comes and appears to Paul and, and stands there with him. And he stands there beside him to encourage him and to strengthen him. And Jesus says, 
take courage. That's such a powerful phrase that Jesus says to Paul, take courage. And it's a phrase that Jesus himself had used before. As you go back and scan through the Gospels, you find that word courage is one that Jesus has used several times during his earthly life. He spoke it to several people. Probably the most memorable time was when Jesus' disciples were out in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And this great storm came up in the middle of the night and Jesus came to them walking on the water. And they thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. But Jesus spoke these words to them. To them. And he said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And now, just as Jesus appeared in the storm to his disciples, now he appears to the apostle Paul in, the, in a different kind of storm, stormy circumstances. And he stands by Paul and he says, take courage. And just as he stood by his disciples and just as he stood by Paul, now he comes to us and he stands beside us and he speaks those same words to us. He speaks those same words to you today. And he says, take courage, take courage. And we need to understand that when Jesus says to us, take courage, he's not telling us to try and summon up some kind of courage from within ourselves. This is not some kind of self-help pep talk. It's not that Jesus came and stood beside Paul and said, Paul, just pull yourself together. Come on, get yourself sorted out. Just grow up and move on. It wasn't like that. The kind of courage that the Bible talks about, the, the word courage that Jesus uses, the very meaning of that word means that we draw courage from the presence of God. The kind of courage that God offers us is the courage that comes from his presence. That was the significance of Jesus appearing to his disciples in the storm. He, he called them to take courage because he was there. He was with them. He called Paul to take courage because he stood beside Paul. And the reason that you and I can take courage is because we have Jesus standing beside us. This is what you need to know if you're struggling today, if you're hurting today, if your heart is heavy today, you need to know and hear and see that Jesus is standing beside you. He is standing near you. Now you, you won't see him and you might not even be able to perceive that and comprehend that and it might not feel like that and it might seem like Jesus is a long, long way away and totally distant. But the reality is, you know in faith, Jesus is standing beside you. He is right there. He's right there. And it's his presence that you can draw courage from. It's like a young child standing beside their mum or dad in the middle of a room. And because of the presence of a strong parent, they don't need to be afraid. They draw courage from the strength of their father or mother. And in the same way, the reality of Jesus standing beside us in the midst of whatever we're facing, he is the one that we draw courage from. And I want you to hear those same words spoken to you today that Jesus spoke to Paul, to hear Jesus say to you, take courage, whatever you're facing. Jesus is saying you can draw that courage from me. He says, I, I know you don't have it in and of yourself and you can't just muster it up. But in those times when you feel incredibly weak, Jesus says, draw from my strength, draw from, from my power. Those times you feel totally powerless, powerless. Jesus says, you draw from my power. Those times when you feel anxious and you feel afraid, Jesus says, you draw from my peace in those times. Those times that, that we feel hopeless, 
Jesus says, draw hope, draw hope from me. Those times we feel alone, we feel totally isolated, totally cut off. Jesus says, draw strength from my presence. Those times we feel totally unloved, totally unworthy, totally useless about ourselves. Jesus says, draw love from me. Know that I am here and that I am with you and that I am for you. Those times we feel abandoned by God. Jesus says, I'm still here and you can draw strength. I'm not going anywhere and I have all the power, all the strength that we need. I want to encourage you to hear those words. Take courage. Spoken by Jesus to you this morning, personally, spoken into your life, that wherever you are experiencing that pain, wherever you are experiencing that weakness, Jesus offers out of his fullness to pour his presence, pour his love, pour his healing into your life. And it's the presence of Jesus with us that will strengthen us. It's the presence of Christ that can lift our spirits. It's the presence of Christ that can breathe courage into our lives that can lift up our eyes, can lift up our heads and enable us to stand again on our feet and take steps into the future, whatever it may hold for us. I hope you can hear those words spoken to you this morning by your Savior. He's saying to you today, take courage. I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid. Well, I want to leave you this morning with the words of a song. It's a song written by a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's a Christian singer and songwriter. And several years ago, he and his wife adopted several children, including a little girl named Maria, who they adopted from China. And when Maria was just five years old, tragically, she was killed in a horrible car accident. And it just plunged Stephen and his wife and their family into this awful time of darkness and grief and anguish. And out of that time, he wrote several songs that reflected on his experience and his relationship with God during that time. And one of those songs was called, Jesus Will Find You There. I want to read you some of the words of this song as we finish today. When you think you've hit the bottom and the bottom gives way and you fall into a darkness no words can explain and you don't know how you'll make it out alive, Jesus will meet you there. When the doctor says, I'm sorry, we don't know what else to do. And you're looking at your family, wondering how they'll make it through. Whatever road this life takes you down, Jesus will meet you there. He knows the way to wherever you are. He knows the way to the depth of your heart. He knows the way because he's already been where you're going. Jesus will meet you there. I hope this morning that you can know in the depth of your being that wherever you're experiencing pain today, whatever your struggle is, that Jesus will meet you there. He will find you. He will stand beside you. He will give you the courage that you need. And he will strengthen you for the road ahead. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you that you have already walked this road before us. That Jesus, you have suffered when you were in this world, on this earth, in so many ways, in far greater ways than we will ever suffer. But we thank you that you're our friend and our brother who now draws alongside us in our struggles. You stand right alongside us. You put your arm around us and you call us to take courage because your presence is with us. And I want to pray, Lord, now for everyone who is listening to this message, 
in every home, every person, Lord, particularly those this morning who are facing real hardship, whether it's within them, the struggles mentally and emotionally that are raging in their life, whether it's the external pressures that are, that are squeezing them and crushing them, or maybe both, Lord, whatever it is, you know, you know every circumstance, you know every situation, and I want to pray, Jesus, that you would pour your strength into every life today, that you would pour your courage into every heart, God, that you would pour a fresh sense of your presence and that reminder to every person that you are there, that you are with them, you are the one who stands beside them and comforts them, and you will give them the strength that they need for every day as they look to you. Jesus, we pray that you would be near the hurting and the brokenhearted to encourage them, lift them up, strengthen them for the journey today, we pray. It's in your strong and mighty name that we pray these things. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.